guys, what's up? Welcome to episode number 135 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This show is brought to you by Fan Booster by Traject, which is the world's most complete social media management tool. And it's my tool of choice when it comes to scheduling, managing, and especially reporting on social media. Try them out for yourself for free by clicking the link in the show notes of the podcast. Now, today I have special guest Tarzan K on the podcast. Really excited because it kind of fits with our theme inside of the Savvy Social School. We're talking all about maintaining momentum, taking the strategies that you've built and working on them and improving them. And so today we're talking all about how to do that writing portion, the copywriting and how you can bring your personality to your social media marketing. Now, if you're listening and you're not in the school, make sure to download and access our free course. The link will be with this uh, podcast or in the description. And it really just helps give you a foundation to building your social media strategy. Really good place to start no matter if you're brand new or you're seasoned. So check that out. Now, for those of you who don't know Tarzan Kay, she is an email marketing expert who teaches how to sell big with truth infused and story-based emails. She is a former copywriter for hire who specializes in fun to read, more addictive than Netflix email copy. And I know this for fact, because one of my clients constantly quotes Tarzan and wants to do her emails the Tarzan way, which I love because there's so much personality just in her already. So seeing that emails is beautiful. Okay. T-Boss. Oh, that's a nickname in my notes. I love it. (laughs) T-Boss. When she isn't writing delectable emails from behind her desk, she can be found taking midday dunks in the ice bath solving Rubik's Cubes, singing show tunes, and she lives in Niagara, which is where I live too, which is kind of wild that in this crazy digital marketing world, we're able to connect via the internet. Tarzan, welcome to the show. Hey, I've been working on this guest appearance for a while, so I'm excited (laughs) it's finally happening. Yes. And for those of you listening and watching, I want to emphasize that the personality piece, because Tarzan sent me a video, custom-made video pitch to be on the podcast. We already had her earmarked, but when she sent that video pitch, we were like, we need to rearrange things and make this happen (laughs) because there's not a lot of people who bring that level of personality. Um, So my first question is like this, how, how did you tap into this idea or this strategy of like using who you are as a way to market your business? I think I came about it organically and based on what I like, the things that I enjoy consuming the most are the things that I do in my business. And in the online business world, like it took, so I'm in the world of online courses specifically, and I'm pretty immersed in this whole world. And I notice, like in email and also in Instagram, like it's really hard for people to actually figure out like, what does authenticity really look like? You know, there's so many versions of it. And often when I see like vulnerability post, something just doesn't ring true about it. So I look for it and I gravitate toward it. And when I hear something that feels really truthful, I'm like, oh, that that's what I want to do. And so I've been in business for five years now, and I've been emailing my list consistently for almost, well, not for the full five years. I think I started, I made a commitment to email my list bi-weekly close to, like I was probably at least six months in business. And shortly after that, I started emailing them weekly. So I like, I've written hundreds, probably thousands of emails. 
And it definitely does not happen overnight. So I think that's why a lot of like first attempts at like writing something that's really truthful and, or that's vulnerable, that feels really authentic. Sometimes it actually feels a bit like a performance and you're like, wait, what, what, what is this? Like writing is a skill. Like it's a skill, just like playing the piano. And it's not something that you just, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So I have come to this over, you know, a lot, like I have done a lot of writing. That is what makes a great writer is doing a lot of writing. And I did make that commitment really early on because I noticed the feedback from my subscribers, even when I had only been emailing for a couple months was that they loved that my emails felt truthful and felt like, like I was giving them like true insider secrets, not like insider secrets on like what strategy works, but like I tried this and it bombed. Here's what I have done instead. Like more like insider secrets as to like what it actually looks like to be successful in this industry and like all the highs and lows, like I share all of it and I share it. I don't wait till it looks shiny and sounds good to talk about. I share it in the middle of it. So I got that feedback so early on that I just really leaned into it and have only gotten better and better at it. Cause I have a lot of practice, but I also realized this is a very long answer to your question, but, and this is like, even from the 30,000 foot view last year, I had like, so like, it was such a huge growth year for everyone, whether you wanted it to be or not. I started this, um, on, on this new path at the beginning of January, 2020, when I realized that everything I had been going after in my business was like, it's like the way I would describe it now is like I had really strayed from a path of truth and I was like going like just diving headlong into this, like make the most money possible business model. And it's been such a process of like bringing myself back to the path of truth. And I've done that publicly in my email. So I think that's what people have always known me for. And now I'm knowing myself for that too. It's like, oh, I'm someone who's on this important path of being truthful. And that's how I show up in my emails. I love that because I think that it requires um, like, okay, so let, let me talk about this from my own perspective. When I start writing for social media, there's this little voice in my head that goes, do you want to say that? Are you sure? It's like my intern or as RuPaul would say, my internal saboteur is talking to me and like, don't be so vulnerable. And I do think there is like, we got to push past it a little bit. Um, so I'm curious for yourself in those moments and you use 2020 as an example, as you're sharing your story, what are some tips or tools that you can draw on to continue sharing it despite negative feedback, despite your own judgments, despite all of the things happening in the world? Oh gosh, this is a really great question because the feedback is relentless. It's relentless and instantaneous. <laughs> Just today. So, oh my gosh. I had a moment today in our team meeting that was right before this interview. And um, I sent an email. So on Tuesday in the United States, I'm Canadian, but uh, 50% of my email list is in the US. So I'm, I'm often responding to issues in the US. And on Tuesday was a national day of racial healing. So I wrote this email and uh, I, I had an, I even worked on it with an editor who does sensitivity read to like really make it beautiful and like not, you know, hit too many. Anytime you email something like that, like there's, there's always going to be feedback. 
that will be uncomfortable to read and I will learn. Um, but in this case, like I, you know, I worked really hard and I felt really good about it when I said it, sent it out. And then in my team meeting, now it's two days later, my assistant, Vanessa, she said, so there was an issue that came up with the racial healing email and immediately I could feel my body seize. I was like, Oh my, Oh God. Oh God. What is it? And it turned out to just be an issue with active campaign, <laughs> but I mentioned that because like, it's like constant learning. And part of like me being on this path is like, I have to be open to learning and getting that feedback. Cause in the early days, like I would get feedback and I'd be like, Oh, whatever my email list, my opinion, like I didn't listen as much, but in 2020, I did a lot more listening and I have learned when you get feedback, like there's, I've developed some sort of some tools, but also some ways of like figuring out, like, do I need to learn something from this? Is this just a hater? Like, what's the, you know, how do I figure this out? And I have my team supporting me and helping me, which is enormous. But in the early days, I use, I usually would say I would look for a trend. Like, is this, if someone's pushing back and doesn't like something I've written, is it just their opinion or does more than one, even more than one person, like just one person, sometimes I could discount, but if it's more than one person, usually I have to step back and be like, okay, what do I have to learn? What do I have to look at here? And in order to be able to do that, like, first of all, you need a bit of time because when those emails land in your inbox and like, sometimes they're just like someone who's mad and they're like, didn't sign up for a lecture, unsubscribe, capital letters, you know, those ones, like, I'm like, okay, fine. Like you're not here for this conversation and that's okay. But oftentimes like, oh my gosh, my subscribers are amazing. Like they will send me like long emails and they'll go into detail about what they liked and what they didn't like. They'll ask me like really tough questions and expect to reply. Um, so those emails, like I usually step back and sit with them and give them like a day, sometimes even a week, because I need to work through my own emotions around it before I can actually read feedback and get the lessons and figure out what I actually need to do. So that time is so important. And that's something that I've had to learn to give myself. Uh, but also just on the on the other side of this, growing a business is a huge personal development journey. As you know, it's like, you don't even know you signed up for this, all this work that you have to do, like all this mental stuff you got to work through. So I have my tools. Like I have a coach that I come back to who does IFS, which is called internal family systems. It's like, like oftentimes when I'm triggered by something, it's probably because I have some trauma around it and I have to work through that. So that's one method. I also do a lot of breath work that sort of helps me just move through whatever's going physically. Like sometimes I'm like, I feel three feet outside of my body right now. And I need to come back. So breathwork helps me do that. Like I've got my own toolbox of like personal development. So it's a mix. Like you have to find your own practical tools, but also your own, like you have to do your own healing at the same time. Otherwise you will just never stop being triggered. And that's true. Building a business is a personal development journey. I 100% agree. Um, I didn't know that's what I was signing up for, but I've learned so much about myself uh, building this business. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about bringing this into the social media realm mm -hmm. and Instagram's your platform of choice, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about why you like Instagram. Okay. So I, what do I love about Instagram? I mostly like stories. I like making stories. I like editing them. I like, I am at heart a storyteller. Like that is my purpose. It's what I'm here to do is to be a storyteller and to connect through stories. So I love Instagram stories. I love like, I love the immediate feedback. Like yesterday, as an example, no, Tuesday, pardon me. (laughs) Tuesday, I did this Instagram story all about my password manager. I'm like, I'm obsessed with password managers. I love one password. I've been using it for like five years. My husband has to be on one password too. Like I have a family account. I have a team account. I'm like so into password managers. And I made this whole story and I had so much fun. Like with social media, like because my instinct is that I don't actually like it and I don't want to do it. I have to find a way for it to be fun. So I made this whole Instagram story and I had fun. So it's not a loss, but I was like, this is so fun. This is like such a cute story. People are going to love it. And usually like when I usually in my stories, like if I dedicate it, you know, if I'm dedicated and I have like 10 or 12 stories for the day, I'll get like maybe 30 or 40 DMs throughout the day. And so I was like, my DMs are going to explode today. People are going to go nuts for this story. (laughs) But I love that instant feedback. Like I love knowing like, oh, okay, this is, this is a funny story. I'm going to tell it in my email, but also like immediate, like one thing that I have learned through Instagram stories is people love the behind the scenes. Like they love my screenshots of like whatever app I'm using, or like they love the behind the scenes of my business. They are not interested in talking about password managers. As opposed to like when it comes to posts, like I do spend a decent amount of time writing posts, but you know way more about this than me. So maybe I'm wrong and please correct me if I am. Sometimes when a post doesn't do well, like if I post something and there's like no comments, I'm like, oh, okay. Like maybe people weren't interested, but also maybe just like the picture wasn't right or I I didn't start the caption in the right way. I don't know. I like the feedback for Instagram stories feels so much easier to get the juice out of. Whereas my posts, like, I don't know. I I guess the, the short answer is I've chosen Instagram because for me, it's the most fun. And if I had a do over, to be honest, I'd probably start over and do TikTok because I think TikTok is the most fun. Like I could spend hours a day on TikTok. I love it so much. I could really see you on TikTok and right? I, I want to encourage you to do it. Like I need <laughs> some people to some more businessy people to get on there and have fun because you're right. It is about having fun, especially if you are a personality brand, mm-hmm. personality driven business, um, having fun. It's easy to see when you're like, you're checking off a box, right? You're just posting because you have to post today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the fun piece is great. Um, one thing you mentioned as you're talking about your stories is that it'll become an email later. So I'm curious as how they play with each other. Do you, um, use stories as a test for email content or do you take your newsletters and like talk about them in stories? How do they play together? So I always want to make sure that if you're following me on Instagram and you're reading my emails, like they feel like they're complimenting each other and not like the content is recycled. Cause anytime I see someone recycling content, I'm like, this is so lazy. And like, why would I, I'm not following you. Uh, so that uh, they definitely play together. It does not always one, like, I guess if one's going to go first, it's usually Instagram because if there's like that password manager story, it's funny. I'm going to grab some screenshots and write an email about it. Sometimes like recently, 
I forget what it was. I did a story that was like, well, actually I wrote an email and in the email, I said, if you catch my Instagram story, if you follow me on Instagram, you can catch a story that I did today about it. And I hadn't even done the story yet. I just knew it, you know, the email would go out a couple hours later and by then there would be a story. So I would link to it. I try and make them play together. I would say mostly though, like Instagram is most useful to me with the feedback that I get in terms of what people are interested in. And then I'll, you know, take those stories and bring them over to email. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I like that you kind of planned this story ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to plan even your feed posts or your story posts, talk us through what that planning process looks like with you, with your team. We want all the juicy details. Okay. I've tried so many versions of this and I have had like many social media managers over the years and my process has changed like a million and one times. And I, I sort of always feel like I'm developing it and trying to figure out what I'm actually doing. So currently my schedule is that I work three days a week. So I only do Instagram stories on those three days occasionally other days, like I might pick up my phone and do something, but like when I'm off, I kind of just want to be off. If I'm off work and I'm also trying to do social media, I, it gives me such anxiety. Like, I'm like, am I working right now? Or am I hanging out with my kids? Cause I feel like I'm doing both badly. So I really try and just stick to Instagram stories on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, which is the days that I work. And my schedule for posts is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I used to do Monday to Friday, but I just felt like it took so much time to write those five posts. It felt like this enormous task and I work a week ahead. So on Mondays, we use a uh, project management software, Asana. And on Mondays, my task comes up to write my three posts for the week And I deliberately do not give myself a lot of time because I could use all, I could spend hours doing this task. I also like on a really good day, I could knock them out in half an hour. So let's say I write my three posts and it takes between half an hour and an hour, depending how many breaks I take and how inspired I feel throughout the week. Well, actually all the time, I'm always collecting ideas Because my least favorite thing is when I get to this task, write three Instagram posts, it's 4.30 on Monday, I'm tired, and now I have to think of ideas for what to post about. So I usually have a pretty decent backlog of stuff that I have thought about, like, you know, that one password thing, like, that's funny. Um, You know, I'm collecting little stories and anecdotes, as I also do for email, Um, So usually like it goes really fast if I have three solid ideas and I can just write those captions. So I only write the caption occasionally if there's an obvious picture that should go with it, I will post the picture or a link to it, but I just put the captions and I, I do that like as a task in Asana. And once I have finished them, I then assign them to my content developer, Ginger, who is a student of Savvy Social School and just loves it so much. Like 
Anytime I have a question, she's like, oh, uh, let me go ask. Let me go ask in the group. The reason I'm here on this podcast is I hear about it all the time. So shout out to Ginger. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Ginger. She knows so much. Like I actually don't know that much about social media. It's not something I've ever invested a lot of time learning, which actually is why I've always been like paying people to do it for me. And then like, oh, that didn't work. Let me try someone new. We have a great rhythm now. Um, that I really like with Ginger. So I write the captions and then I pass it on to her and then she creates the graphic and she might create a graphic that's like a carousel post. She might turn it into like, sometimes I, I will pull out like, this is the quote. So just put a quote or, you know, this is a piece of not really a quote, but this is a little piece of the caption that should go in an image. Sometimes she will figure that out. We used to have a rhythm that was like one day is a photo. The next day is a cat or the next day is like a, what do you call those? You know? like a meme kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. a graphic. So we used to go back and forth, but it just made me feel boxed in. And I felt like pressure to come up with like a really quotable quote, which I never liked. Uh, so, you know, we, now it's a little more organic and I'm not always, I'm not perfect. Like sometimes I get behind and I'm just, I'm doing things late, but in the, usually the way it works out is on Monday, I write my three posts and then Ginger completely takes over. She schedules it. We have like, we have weekly reports. So every week we'll look at how many followers did we get? What stories were the most popular? Like there's some key metrics that we look at and see if we're on track for our goals for the year. Um, but that's basically it. So I have a lot of support. I've always had a lot of support again, because like, it's not my favorite thing. And I need to outsource like all the tasks that are not fun or I won't do it. Yes. You know what I find interesting about the process is that you've really developed something that a lot of people are actually developing now too. And it's a lot of parallels to what we teach in the school, which is you've got to find something that works for you. And even the way that social media is shifting these days, we don't need to post every single day. In fact, spending time producing quality content versus like checking off that box every day is the best way to do it. You give yourself the time limit because let's be honest, we could all spend all day on social media if we wanted to. And most of us have a lot of other shit to get done. (laughs) Um, And you know, just really having the support of your team to help you with the process. So they can't crawl in your brain and figure out what you want to say, but they can help support you by creating graphics and finding images and posting it for you and pulling reports for you. So I really like that process um, as well. One of the questions that I have as you were talking about your daily schedule and, and how you, I think you said Monday, Tuesday, Thursday is when you tend to work. Yes. Those are my work days. Okay. So when it comes to posting the stories, then um, what's, what's your habits for like responding to the stories? Are you checking throughout the day or do you time block that as well? No, I definitely check throughout the day. I like answering my DMS. That's sort of my, like, I don't feel like doing the task I'm supposed to be doing right now. Let me see if I have any new DMS. And I usually struggle the most with getting the first story up because while it is assigned to me, in Asana, like to actually, uh, I always feel like I don't know what I'm going to post about and I don't even like Instagram. Why am I doing this? And then as soon as I get just one or two story slides out, then I'm like, okay, I'm on a roll. And then my brain kicks in and like, I start seeing more things that are like Instagram story worthy. 
So to be honest, like the organic nature of it is what makes it work and what makes it doesn't work. It's like, it's like, I, I probably could have more of a system around it, but then I might hate it. And the fact that I don't have a system sometimes makes it hard to start, but I just find this social media is like such a tough nut to crack for me. And in fact, the last couple of days I've been thinking like, maybe I could have a sabbatical. Maybe I could just not do it for like a whole month. Yeah. <laughs> but I know how valuable it is. Like I see like these conversations that the conversations I have in my DMs are so special and they're private and people share things with me and I get this instantaneous feedback. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people do and the social media platforms themselves don't make it easy. <laughs> um, because even now conversations we're having in our agency are all about Instagram reels. So how do we use this new tool? Because it's the thing that's dominating the feed. So even though we feel like we've got certain things figured out, like Instagram reels hasn't even existed for six months yet. And we have to come up with new strategies now. So they're not making it easy for us is the moral of the story. Um, okay. Another question I had when you were talking about your, your process is reporting. So I'm curious um, what metrics you look at uh, for success and kind of um, what are some of your goals as you go through the rest of this year? Okay. So this new level of reporting, this is new for us and uh, I might get this wrong, but we have a goal for the year. And I think our goal for this year is to get to 12,000 followers. And right now I'm at about seven or 8,000. I don't probably seven. I don't really know. Um, so that's the most obvious metric that we look at. And each week we look at how many new people joined. And if there's, I think we actually have that reported daily. So if there's one day that we see like, oh, look, we got 20 people on this one day. Well, then we look for like, well, what did we do that day? Oh, you posted a story about this thing or like that, you know, that might be interesting. So that's an important metric. We look at which stories got the most DMs. That's one uh, for the same reason. It tells me what people are interested in. And then I think we look at which post got the most engagement. And I think that's it. Um, I wish Ginger were here to tell me what we're really looking at, but those are the stats I pay attention to. Let's just call, leave it at that. I feel like we may need a part two interview with yes. Ginger. <laughs> totally. Okay. So when, so I'm curious when you're looking at the DMs, like for the stories, for instance, um, how does that inform your future stories? Cause you said that you kind of plan them in Asana a little bit and, mm -hmm. but you kind of, you kind of go organically as well. So if you see a topic that's really resonating with someone, um, how do you make changes to your future stories then based on that past topic? So I actually don't plan my stories. I plan my posts and all I plan for my stories is Tarzan, you have to do a story today. So for Got that it. reason, there are, uh, there's like a lot of similarities because I know people like behind the scenes. So that's sort of a go-to what's happening behind the scenes. And then other than that, like my stories, I really try and keep them current. Like especially right now where it feels like there's news every day, like just for context for your listeners, it's January 21st. The inauguration was yesterday and just, oh my gosh, there's a new things happening every day. And something that I noticed in 2020, like 
in 2020, we rescheduled so much stuff. It felt like constantly rescheduling posts, turning off ads, rescheduling emails. Like I, I do really try and be as current as I can, because especially on social media, like sometimes I'm scrolling and I'm like, why are you talking about this? Like there's something far more important happening in the world. Like I just, I have no interest in how to find your first six figure client or whatever, you know? Um, so I think that's really important, but I, to be, to be fair, like I could just be using that as an excuse to say that I don't really plan very much on my stories. Okay. That's interesting. And I think part of that is again, using social media as it's meant to be used. So there's this element of planned in your feed where you're planning ahead, you're writing posts, but then there's this element of spontaneity in the stories. And that's why, I mean, social media started as a way to spontaneously share your thoughts. Right. So I do think that, um, is an interesting strategy and kind of how the designers and creators of social media mm-hmm. want us to use that. Um, okay. So before we wrap up, I'm curious to know um, any last tips for, um, so we have a segment of the audience who are copywriters and um, you know social media managers kind of marketing themselves. What's one little tip that you can give them as they approach marketing themselves on Instagram? Okay. Well, I was just working on a lesson for this copywriting course I'm working on. So this will be my tip. In copywriting, one of the most important rules that copywriters know is the rule of one. And the way I've usually taught the rule of one in email is one email, one job. So you can't send an email and ask people to click three different links about three different things. Every time you have a conflicting call to action, like it weakens the strength of the email. But you can apply, actually, the rule of one is more than just one one call to action. It means one reader one purpose or one call to action, one big idea, one core emotion, one all the way across the board. So as you're thinking about who you're talking to, it's like, it's really hard to just talk to one person and it goes against like, goes against your nature. Like, but I could serve this type of person. This person could also benefit. But when you talk to just one person, you can be so much more specific so much more specific. And it's that specificity that really magnetizes people. So this interesting effect is like, yes, your perfect people will be magnetized to your message because you are talking to them specifically, but other people too, like people, we're attracted to specificity, even if it doesn't necessarily, even if it's not even specific to me. And an example of this is when uh, I was launching my program, email stars for the first time. And I said, this is specifically, this is for you. If you have 500 or more email subscribers, it's a program about email. I didn't want people coming in that don't have an email list. How are you going to get your return on investment? So I was very specific about that. And I'll never forget this one. This is early days when I used to do sales calls and I got on a call with this one copywriter and she was like, Tarzan, I don't have 500 subscribers. Like I don't have any subscribers, but I just like strongly feel that this is for me. And like, will you make an exception? I'm going to work really hard. That student, like she's, I actually just got a card from her in the mail yesterday. This is years later. She's like talking about how profound and lasting that work was and what a difference it made in her career. And, you know, she bought like, not in spite of not being my specific audience, she bought like 
partly because of that specificity. So as much as possible, remember the rule of one, come back to your one reader. Who am I talking to? Just one person, one problem that I'm solving, one emotion that I'm going to go into the rule of one. It's one of my favorite copywriting tips. Oh, that was good. I love that. I hope you guys are taking notes as you're listening and watching because that rule of one will save you on social media and an email. So thank you, Tarzan. Okay. I know you have a free gift for our listeners all about email marketing. Tell us about it. Oh yeah. So if you go to tarzank.com slash email, you will find a 10 email promo sequence swipe, whether you're selling services or you're selling courses, um, use it as a template to write your promo emails. I personally never ever start with a blank screen. I find it so intimidating and really slows me down. I always start with usually one of my own swipes. If you don't have that, you can just start with mine, tarzank.com slash email. Oh my gosh. I love that. 10 emails. You guys definitely jump on those, especially as digital marketing is evolving. You kind of need social and email to work together. So definitely get on that. Tarzan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been fantastic. It's so good. Thanks for having me. And stay tuned, you guys, for next week, next episode, we're talking all about how to launch on social media. I've got some tips, some tricks, some secrets on how you can kind of speed things along and have your launch plan for social be pristine. That's next week. I'll see you then. Bye for now.